0: And so, welcome to, to week one of Meant to Be. We're looking at the, the Bible's best kept secrets about sex, marriage, and being single. And uh, it's going to be a great week, uh, I mean a great five week series. I'm really excited about it in, in one regards, and another part I'm like, I'm gonna, this is really awkward in some, some regards, um, because we're going to be diving into the Song of Solomon. And I don't know if you've read the Song of Solomon lately. But it's a, it's a little racy. And so, it, it's, a, it's a little racy in some regards. It's navels, bellies, and breasts, oh my. And that's all. That's, that's, that's Song of Solomon. So, if you're uncomfortable with us saying some of this stuff, you're not saying it. So, so be praying for me as we go through this series. Uh, I, I'm... But I'm excited about it. I'm excited with what God's going to do, do through it. I think it's going to bring a lot of healing and help, hopefully, for all of you. And here's the really cool thing about this series it's not just designed for married, married people. If you're single in here, uh, my prayer is that you're going to get a lot of great stuff and you're going to learn a lot of great things not to do. And uh, I know Lindsay and I will be sharing a lot of our own personal story through this, this journey. And uh, you'll get an inside look in our marriage as well as uh, a look into this book of Song of Solomon. And we're going to unpack this book together. But uh, I don't know if you know this over the last, kind of the last century, really, the sexual revolution has just taken off. And you just see the effects of this sexual revolution happening. You can't go to a movie without seeing something that you're either having to close your eyes or close somebody else's eyes. You can't turn on the TV now without it being in your face, and you can't go to the w- checkout line in Walmart without having to close your kid's eyes with some of the magazines that they have on on the racks. Can't, can't turn on the radio without you seeing this, and it's just everywhere, and we have more divorces and abortions and homosexuality agendas, and pornography is one of the largest... Uh, industries in our nation. And so you just see sex gone wrong all in our culture, everywhere that we look at. And so if there's any place that we should be learning the proper way to have sex and marriage, it should be in the church. Amen? And how to have good relationships. And so Song of Solomon is a great place for that. Uh, for us to get into that. And so this is where I'd like to start today. Before we actually dive into Song of Solomon, I would like to actually dive into Genesis chapter 1. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 1 first. We got to start at the beginning, lay a foundation for what this series really is, lay a foundation of what sex and marriage and all that was, and what was God's original intention in creation, and then we'll jump into Song of Solomon in about 15 minutes or so. So Genesis chapter 1, let's just, let's just start here. Genesis chapter 1, God is wanting to, to glorify himself in all of creation, and so what does he do? He just starts creating. It's what God does, and so he says universe, and there's a universe, and he says stars, and there's stars, and he He says moon and sun, and there's moon and sun, and then he says world and earth, and he creates an earth and animals and makes all those, and then he makes a man, and he takes dirt out of the ground, and he begins to mold a a man, and uh, he makes a man a certain way. Now, yet again, no, I'm not trying to be crude here in any regards, but he designed a male to be somewhat tough. Uh, to have extra strength, he creates them with stronger legs for the most part. Unless you're in Kim's CrossFit and most of those girls are probably stronger than all of me. But um, that's a plug there. Um, and so, one day. Um, but he creates man, and he creates them with a, a certain type of personality. He creates them with a penis. And can we say that here? And he creates them with testicles. And he fills those testicles with stuff. And that's, listen, God made all of that, okay? It, it wasn't like God, like, snuck away and the devil came in. He's like, I'm going to add one of these, <laughs> you know, and, and God came back and was like, what is that? I didn't make that. Okay, so God makes that. And then, and then God gives Adam the job of going and, and, and naming all of the animals, and so Adam has the job of naming, you know, horse and elephant and hippopotamus, and, and then he probably just got real tired, and he's like, dog, you know, <laughs> cat, fly, um, but he's got this job of naming all the animals, and I love it because Genesis says that Adam looked around, and he could not find a helper he couldn't find anybody that was suitable for him. I mean, can you imagine what that looked like? I mean, he's naming these animals, and he's like, is she the one? He's like, oh, she's a little rough, you know? <laughs> is she the one? She's a little hairy, you know? He's going to, I mean, maybe the monkeys were as close as he probably got. It was like, I don't know. We can maybe make this happen. I'm not sure. The Bible says that God puts Adam down. <clears throat> he knocks him out. He uh, takes out a rib, and then he creates a woman, out of out of Adam, and and he designs this woman to be totally different than than Adam. Okay, she's she's not as strong. She's a little bit uh, a little bit more rounder in the hips, and she has breasts, and she has a vagina, and she has all of these things. And this is all God's design. Yet again, the devil did not sneak in with any of this and go, "I'm gonna I'm gonna play a little game here." He created all of this stuff, and I want you to hear this. God made all of this, and the Bible says that when God made, when he made all of the animals and the earth and the planets, he said it's good, but when he made the man and the woman, he says it's very good. It wasn't just good, it was very good, and so Adam awakens out of his slumber, and he looks, and he's like, horse, he's like, uh, you know, rhino, gnat, whoa mine <laughs> that is mine right there that's it that's what i've been waiting for it's actually the bible actually says that when god when adam arose out of his slumber he started singing he started singing and the word woman actually means out of me that's what woman actually means out of me which means mine that's all mine and god said yes it is buddy it is all yours And God gives them a a command, and here is the command. The command is that they are to be fruitful, and they are to multiply. Now, notice this. The man and the woman in this, we read in Genesis chapter 1, 2, is that they were naked and unashamed. It's a great verse. What a great verse. But here's the problem. It only lasts for two chapters. God gives the command, listen, you're going to Adam and Eve, you're going to be fruitful and you're going to multiply it. Now, y'all know how that happens, right? I don't I don't need to go there, do I? I will if I need to, okay. Um, so so they're fruitful and they, they begin to multiply. And yet again, I want I want you to hear this. God didn't go grab a grab a sandwich in the kitchen and come back and go, oh my god, Adam, get off of her. What are you doing? He didn't do that. He looked at that and God said, Yes, go, Adam. Go. That's my boy. Because this is God's design. God designed all of this. This was his plan. He's not looking at it and going, Stop that, quit that. No. He's going, I told you to do this. You're obedient. Good job. And so we see this, uh, 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 this, this difference between man and we see this difference between woman. Then we see this coming together and union that happens. And, and it's all God's plan. God designed it all to be that way. And, 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 you know, so often we tell our teenagers in church, sex is bad, so don't do it. But I'm, to be honest with you, sex is really good. Just you don't need to do it. Until you're in a relationship with one man, one woman, and one covenant for one lifetime. And when you do it, have a lot of it when you're in that. But until that happens, don't do it. But we tell kids all the time, like, sex is bad. But for everybody that's married in here, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's great and glorious and wonderful, and it's awesome. But it's only awesome when it's in the confines and the context of what God designed it to be. Y'all with me? And so this is all God's idea. We awkward yet? Okay, we'll get there. Don't worry. We got plenty of time. If it's a little too awkward, you can just walk back to OSC Kids. They'll take care of you. Um, But it's really good. And so I want you to write this down. If you got notes, write this down with me. Marriage and sex is God's idea. It's God's idea. We've got to start there. That marriage and sex is God's idea. When God created the universe, he created it in such a way that it would would bring him glory and bring you great joy. When he created marriage and he created sex, it was for his glory and for your greatest pleasure. That's why he created it. Yes, did he want it to be fruitful and multiplying? Yes, but sex wasn't just for multiplication and reproduction. Sex was also to be greatly enjoyed. And you're gonna, we're going to read in Song of Solomons in just a minute. You're going to see, if you go and you read all throughout the eight chapters of Song of Solomons, he never talks about kids, but he talks a lot about sex. You know why? Because it wasn't just about reproducing, it was also about pleasure. So we've got to understand this, that marriage and sex is, is God's glory. It's all designed for him. God is most glorified in our enjoyment of him. And when we're doing the things that he's called us to do, he designed us that way. But unfortunately, as I said, it only lasts two chapters. Chapter three, it all goes wrong. It all goes wrong. Sin enters into the world and it fractures everything and everything that started as good and pleasurable and for the glory of God all of a sudden went to something that killed us. Sin does that. It takes something that's great and glorious that God designs for greatness and sin destroys it. Sin flips it around and causes it to kill us. Sin allows things to what was originally intended for us to enjoy now has become something that enslaves us. Wine, meant for enjoyment. But with sin, is now alcoholism. Okay? You, you look food. Oh, you know, to... To have some mouth-watering Coyote Blues fajitas. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I worship the Lord when I eat that. It's like, thank you, Lord. Do you know the Bible says eating is worship? I don't know about y'all. I, I thank Jesus all the time. Thankful for taste buds. Come on. We Cajuns love to know how to eat, okay? But yet again, sinners in the world and food, instead of being for great pleasure and enjoyment and worshiping the Lord, turns into Gluttony, gluttony, sex designed for our greatest pleasure and God's greatest joy but yet so quickly perverted and now probably causes some of the greatest pain in people's lives than ever before. But if God designed it, why are we experiencing so much pain with it? It's because we're not doing it the way God called us to do it. And because sin destroys everything. I mean, there's a reason why Fifty Shades of Grey already is one of the number one movies, and it hasn't even come out for another two weeks. Sex has become perverted. Sin has taken it, and we have pornography that's rampant, and you see women as objects now instead of as something that God designed as sacred and holy and glorious You see sin goes in and just destroys things. Today is Super Bowl Sunday. Do you know today is one of the highest sexual trafficking days of the year? Girls will go into sex slavery today in Arizona because of the Super Bowl. When I'm talking about sex and I talk about sin, sin destroys everything. It perverts everything everything. It breaks everything. And what God designed as something sacred and holy and beautiful, when sin enters into that, it becomes perverted and disgusting and shameful and guilt-driven, and it becomes painful. And what God designed as pleasurable and enjoyment becomes painful, and we don't want to have anything to do with it. So marriage and Sex is God's idea. The, the word sex, now listen to this. The word sex is a Hebrew word, dod, dode, d-o-d-e, dode. It actually means this, and this is the title of the message, the mingling of souls. Sex is the mingling of souls. It's two becoming one. It was the entire design of what God designed sex to be. It was a mingling of souls. Now, let me just tell you, it is good to have a sex drive. God designed that. It's good to have a sex drive. It's bad when sex drives. It's bad when sex drives. It's okay to have it, but it's not good when it drives. And so before we go into Song of Solomon, let us begin first with the foremost that marriage and sex is God's idea. Let's drive that stake deep into the ground. Now go to Song of Solomon chapter 1, and let's, let's dive into Song of Solomon together Write this down. Point number two. So marriage and sex is God's idea. Point number two is attraction is important. Let's talk about this for a minute. Attraction is important. Now, if you look at boys and girls, especially between the ages of one and four, one and three, there really is kind of, there's, there's distinctly uh, visual differences between guys and boys and girls. But for the most part, there's also, there's not a ton of distinction. They, you know, my yeah, you know, my son is my youngest son is sitting right here in front of me. Okay, we just had a birthday party for him, celebrated five years this week, and um, which is awesome. Yeah. And so yeah. So two years of hospital birthdays, it's glad to be home. And so, um, anyways, the he loves Hulk, Captain America, and Spider Man, and he loves Disney princesses. Right, buddy? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. So I got birthday bags with a Hulk and Captain America and a Disney princess bag right there with his gift in it. Okay. He's going to win some women over with that one. All right. But something happens in boys where they, you know, want to play with. Now, don't call him a princess. He'll punch in the face. Um, We don't call him princess. He don't, he don't like it and, and if it's any other princess, he doesn't like it. It's gotta be Disney, okay? Specific princesses, princesses that he likes. So but anyways, you got you got boys who are distinctly already by nature already rough and, and wanna shoot, they wanna hurt, they wanna hit. They wanna they wanna destroy things, they wanna climb, and yet girls who are naturally distinctly wanna play, they can find two inanimate objects, and now those two animate objects become best friends. They have a way of making conversation with things, they talk to animals. Okay, boys are shooting animals, girls are talking to them. They're crying over the fact that we shot something, you know. That's just the natural distinction of what's going on between guys and girls. We see this, this ebb and flow of how boys are. They build stuff. They kill stuff. Girls make stuff. They love relationships. They think, you know, as you, they get older, they start thinking that each other is gross. And, um, and you know, in fourth grade, you know, you're, you're starting to, like, kick girls, And uh, it's your way of endearment, you know. But there's this thing that I like to call the day of epiphany. The day of epiphany. The day of epiphany is, okay, I used to be the youth pastor here for seven years. And so I got to see this play out right in front of my eyes all the time. So the day of Epiphany is 5th grade, 6th grade, 7th grade. I mean, you go like, we go on these summer camps and and retreats and all that stuff, and you go into a 5th grade, 6th grade, 7th, 8th grade uh, boys' dorm room, and it smells like funk. It smells like funk covered with... Ax spray—that's what it smells like. It's disgusting, and they wake up and they don't care about brushing their teeth. They don't care about washing anything, and so you are like a daddy on these trips. Like, did you brush your teeth? No, I'm supposed to do. You should be doing that every day at home. Go brush your teeth, and like, you not comb your hair, do something, okay? So that's like that's like fifth grade to sixth, seventh, eighth grade. Now it's actually getting probably a little bit younger, but there's something that happens. Something that happens between seventh and ninth grade where all of a sudden they're actually showering now (laughs) and they're combing their hair and they're asking for deodorant and cologne and put some brood on. Uh, That's old school if you don't know what that is. Uh, My grandpa used to wear that, so that's nasty. All right. But but something happens in a, in, a, in a young boy or in a young girl where that girl is no more, oh, ah, yeah. it's, it's, something's changing here. And they think that, oh, there's no longer that girls are gross. Now they're looking at girls in a totally different way. And up to this moment, moment they didn't want to have anything to do with girls. And then all of a sudden, they're, I got to have one i got to have one. got to have one of those. It's what I like to call the day of epiphany. You see it all the time. How have you seen that played out? It's the day of epiphany. It's when, it's when they, they start brushing their teeth and they start getting up early and they, things are starting to happen because all of a sudden there is this attraction that happens within them. What seemed repulsive at one time has now been, oh, <laughs> something has come on. It's attraction. Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 2. Look at this. It says this. It says, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is better than wine. Now we're going to walk through a story of a, of a young woman and a man that are now starting to have feelings for each other. And right at the very beginning, the second verse of this book, you're getting a sneak peek into what's going to eventually become courting and marriage and, and all that down the road. But this is the, the first starts of their relationship. And this is what she says over him. Oh, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. For your love is better than wine. Physical appearance is the first thing we notice before we see someone's character. Now, don't, you know, you, you might want to get all religious on me and stuff. And like, oh, you know, I just see the Jesus in them. Shut up. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't. Oh, they just, they just, you know, they're just so filled with the spirit. No, shut up. No, you like that girl because she looks hot. Now, maybe some of those are true, but, you, you know, you weren't like, oh, you're just so filled with the Spirit. You know, I mean, you go and you, you draw to somebody because of the fact that there is a physical attraction that goes on. And let me say this. God designed that. That's good to look at someone and go, I like that. That's good. That's what Adam did. Adam woke up and was like, oh, mine. All mine. Okay, there was an attraction that happened there. You see this all throughout Scripture. Scripture never opposes attraction. It actually always encourages it. Genesis 29, 17. Jesus, uh, it's, um, J- uh, yeah, sorry, Jacob's immediate attraction to Rachel. This is what it says. She was beautiful in form and appearance. So attraction is so important. Okay, you want to you wanna like what you see. Okay, so marriage tip number one. Like what you see. Hopefully you get into that and you wanna your attraction is the start there. So that's also for us married couples that that remember you're you were first attracted to somebody when you first fell in love with them. Now it's hopefully beyond that, and we'll talk to that about that in a minute. But attraction is a big deal. That she looks beautiful, that he is a sexy beast. <laughs> he looks good. Attraction's important. But let's talk about this. Point number three beauty is temporary. Beauty is temporary. Proverbs 31, the Proverbs 31 woman. Listen to this, guys. Charm is deceit, deceptive, and beauty, what does it say? Come on, say it out loud with me. Does not last. I'm going to tell you right now, there's been more pain and more tears that have ever occurred than when people pursue relationships solely on looks. Solely on looks. You can't just go off of that. Physical attraction, physical beauty will not sustain a relationship. It will not if that was the case, all of these Hollywood celebrities that are like flawless and Botoxing it up and just beautiful would have the greatest marriages ever. Because if attraction and beauty was everything, none of these men would want any other women. But is that the case? Not at all. Not at all. You've been married more than five years. You've outlasted most Hollywood weddings. Congratulations. But beauty is temporary, and as we get older, things will begin to happen. Gravity has its way of kicking in. Wrinkles will happen. Sagging will occur. Noses will grow. Hair will grow. And I don't care how much cosmetic surgery or lotions or hair dye or diet change or P90X you do. It's happening, and it's coming Okay, so you can keep your tight face for right now, but just wait. <laughs> just wait. And then you have children, and women's body changes physically after children. And so there is an attraction that's important, but we got to hurry up and quickly understand that beauty is temporary. It's temporary, which leads us to the next thing, which is character is forever. Character is forever. So attraction's important and beauty is temporary. So if we can't stop at attraction, we've got to go to something else, which is character is everything. Okay, so let's look. Solomon, uh, Song of Solomon, chapter 1. Let's look now in verse 3. So she's like, let him kiss me. Okay? So now she's saying, now watch this. You're, verse 3 Your anointing oils are fragrant. Now watch this. Underline this part. Your name is oil. Your name is oil poured out. Therefore, who, who loves him? Virgins love you. Draw me after you. Let us run. The king has brought me into his chamber. Your name is oil poured out. Therefore, virgins love you. This is what she's saying. She's saying, oh, Kiss me. But let me tell you why. Not just because you're a handsome hunk, but your name is oil, which means you have character. There's something about you in you that is so attractive that all of my girlfriends love you. All of my girlfriends are like, You're going here for him? Oh, man, that was mine. That was mine. All these girls absolutely love him. And and here's the deal. Listen, now this is a tip. No one of her girlfriends are saying, be careful. Watch out. He's a little shady. He's a, watch it. Uh, Wait, hold on. You want me to get the list of the other girls that he's, you want me to start there? No, all, all of her girlfriends are going, oh, I'm so jealous. I love him too. No, he's mine. I mean, they're having a battle out here of the type of guy that this guy is, that he's got character. And I'm going to tell you this, and every single person in here that ever wants to get married needs to hear me. You've got to quickly move past attraction and beauty and get to character. See, because here's, here's, how, here's how it plays out. Your girlfriends think that your boyfriend is a dog. Oh, he's a dog. Don't listen. Listen, his last girlfriend Sarah and his last girlfriend Leslie and her his, his other girlfriend. Man, they all saying this and this is and you're like, "Oh no, girl, listen. I am going to change him. I'm going to love him so much that nobody's going to ever want he's not going to want any other woman because I'm just the deal." <laughs> now listen to me, ladies. You're not Jesus. You're not Jesus. You're not going to change anybody. And if he did it to another girl, he'll do it to you. And I'm going I'm to tell you this right now. Marriage is a magnifier. It's a magnifier. And if there are small things that you see in your man or in your woman right now while you're dating, I promise you it will be a big honking thing when you get married. <laughs> and every married person said... Marriage doesn't create problems. It reveals them. And so if you're dating a loser, after this message, you're going to have a little talk. Because if it's an issue right now while you're dating, it will be, it's not going to fix itself when you get married. It will be a greater issue when you get married. I promise you. I promise you. 15 years of being here at the church, we've counseled more marital people that they walked into marriage knowing that there was big issues or even small issues, and they didn't fix it because they thought when they got married, they'd get fixed. And I'm telling you, we're meeting with them and counseling with them because they never dealt with it. I'm meeting with more women who regretted the man that they married because they thought, oh, he'll change. He'll go to church once we finally get married. Once we have kids, he'll see my kids need to be in church. And I'm telling you, they're not here. They're not here because character is forever. And if you date a loser, don't be surprised when he is a loser and stays a loser. You want a man with character. You want a man with character. Proverbs 31, verse 30, the same verse, look at this. It says, charm is deceptive and beauty doesn't last. Now watch the last part of this verse though but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Here's the truth, everybody. There's no cosmetic surgery for poverty of character. You can't fix that. Poor character, you can't fix that. Beauty fades. Write this down. Beauty fades, character stays. Beauty fades. Character stays. The way a person is, without the help of Jesus, they're going to stay that way because you're not Jesus and you're not going to change them. And I'm going to tell you right now, character is a better predictor of marital satisfaction than compatibility. I don't care what eHarmony says. (laughs) Care less. But I'm going to tell you right now, godly character will make your marriage last longer than compatibility will. This is the one thing I absolutely loved about my wife. She loved Jesus more than me before we were dating. And I think she even loves him a lot more now than me while we're married. And that's very attractive to me because I know she can hear from God and I don't have to always be the one that hears for God for her. I love it when I know that my wife's been in a place where she, she, I got to watch my wife love people and love kids. And I love that about her. And so you want to find those things, the characters. In, now listen, we're not going to find perfection, okay? Let me just lay this out there real quick. You're not going to find the perfect man because you're not the perfect woman. So perfection is not on the table. We're not looking for perfection like uh uh uh, uh, uh you know. I mean there's going to be some flaws, there's going to be some things there, but here's the question. Are you openly and willingly able to talk about it and flesh it out? And if they just keep defending why they act the way they are, get out. Get out now. You would rather be lo- you better be lonely and single than to be depressed and married. So character is a better predictor of marital satisfaction. Last one, number five. Marriage is to be desired. Marriage is to be desired. Now look, let's, let's catch up. First, first Song of Solomon's. Now look in verse five. <clears throat> We're going to read to verse seven. I am very dark but lovely. She's actually talking about the way she actually looks. I'm very dark, but lovely. O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon, but don't gaze at me because I'm too dark, because the sun has looked upon me. My mother's sons were angry with me, her brothers. My brothers were angry at me, and they made me a keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I haven't kept. Let me pause real quick. What she's saying is, I have honored my mom and my brothers by working for our family and I've had to work outside most of my life and because I've worked outside, my skin is the way it looks and I don't really like it but I haven't been spending all this time primping and pramping and primping and pramping. I don't know if that's a word but I just made it up. It's what I do. All right. It's what we do. She's not a girl who was all about beauty because she was all about serving. She served more than she cared about her own physical appearance, but yet in all of that, she's going, listen, I, I just, I, this is who I am. I, I was just trying to help my family, and so I'm a bit, maybe a little bit pruney, and you know, I've got, got, sun's been all on me, and, and this is what she says, but I, I haven't even kept my own vineyard, meaning I haven't kept up myself, because I've been serving other people. Now, watch what she says in verse 7. Now, tell me, whom you, whom, you whom my soul loves, where you posture your flock, where you make it lie down at noon? For why should I be like ones who veils herself b- beside the flocks of your companions? So let me, let me tell you what's going on here because a lot of this is like, what is this, what? Flocks? Huh? Kadar? Who? Okay, we're going to try to make this real simple. This is what she's saying. Hey, um, where are you going to be this Friday night? I mean, where are you going to be, like, you going to be pasturing your sheep, like, over there on the mountain? I might just be, like, pasturing my sheep over there by that mountain, too. <laughs> That's what's happening here. She goes, look, where are you going to be? Where are you going to be? She, she wanted a relationship with him so bad. And there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. You know, we, we tell... People all the time, especially like college students all the time, you know, man, you just need to be content. When you get content with God, then God's going to bring you a man. And so you got, you got these girls like faking contentment and looking for a man. they are like, I love you, Jesus. There's no one but you. You're my husband. where that man? Is he looking at me? I see you third row. I see Put this hand down so I can keep looking at him. Is this my good side? You know, You got girls just faking it because they want to get married. Here's the deal. Marriage is to be desired. You should want to get married. Remember, God created it. He wanted it. He wants us to have it. It should be desired. And for for us, we sometimes go, well, you know, you don't, don't need to be content and and there are seasons for that. And maybe we will get to that in the coming weeks of what that looks like. But you should desire to want to be married. And some people are like, you know, you probably just got the gift. You're like, well, I don't want this gift. The gift of, you know, singlehood. You're like, I I have, I have raging passions inside of me. I want to return the gift. God, I'm not return the sender. I don't want this gift, okay? I want the gift of marriage. I don't want the gift of singlehood. And to be to want to be married is something that's is great. And I'm a i mean, we don't when we think about this, okay, so you gotta be content in God before God brings somebody. Okay, I can understand where some people are coming for, but you don't do that in anything else in life. There's no guy like sitting, you know, on his couch and be like, Man, I'm hungry. I'm so hungry. God, you know what? Would you just bring me some fajitas right here? Give me some fajitas. I'll stay here and be content with you till I have some fajitas. <laughs> Sorry, my friend, you're going to be hungry. <laughs> you don't do that with anything in life. I need a job. God, I'm just, you know, I need a job. So, you know, I'm just going to wait till they call. You're going to be broke <laughs> and pull. Like, go put a resume. Or twenty. Like, get out there. Do what, we don't do that in any area of our life. But yet, when it comes to this, we think, oh, I just need to sit and wait. I'm gonna bring somebody. Bull. Get out there. You need to like brush your teeth, brush your hair, and go talk to a girl. Like, hey, girl. I see you. Attraction's important but I know you're going to fade, but character is really good. And I want to be married. I've listened to all five points, Pastor Josh said. You want to go out? That's your, that's your, listen, these are the best pickup lines ever. You have just, you, I'm telling you, I'm giving y'all gold here. I wish Was that a work, babe? Probably wouldn't work. Probably not. Babe, your beauty hasn't faded. Let me just say that real quick. It's it's only blood. Like that. I'm going to tell y'all what right now. I (laughs) I don't know if I want to say it. I got to. (laughs) Last night I told we're, I mean, we're doing this whole thing on marriage and sex and everything. I said, "Babe, listen, like I don't want to preach what I'm not living, you know. So <laughs> I want to do research. I mean, I want to, I want to dive into this book like it's like, you know, I gotta feed the people. So I, I said it. Said it. She said no. Oh. I'm not, i I'm not going there. Okay, let's wrap this up. By the way, Lindsay's preaching next weekend. Um, yeah. So she'll do all the other stuff that I have done wrong. She will, she will do it. I'll be in Crowley next weekend sharing Joel's story. But, uh, so she's going to, she's, oh God, she's going to bring some gold. Um, Listen to me. Marriage is to be desired, but I'm going to tell you right now, you have no business dating if you haven't defined the type of woman or type of man that you're looking for. You have no... Okay, so... In, in when I was a youth pastor here, they used to call me the date Nazi. This is the truth. It's the truth. But I'm going to tell you right now, We have marriages in here that are flourishing because I was the date Nazi. Because, here's the deal, I value our girls so much that any loser that would come around, I hounded them like crazy. Because our girls are valuable here. I'm not going to let anybody play on, I don't, it's not my daughter, but they were like my daughters. I ain't going to let any loser get close to them until he's proven himself. And I hope for every man in here that has a daughter, that you date your daughter so well that any guy that dates her, that hasn't dated her like you are, she's like, trash. I'm telling you right now, because if you don't do that, she'll go looking for it in other guys that you didn't give her. And for the men here, I mean, this is my thing right now, man, just training my boys how to love a woman, starting with their mama. Honor her well. Love her well. She's sensitive. Don't scare her in the shower. (laughs) This is not good. does not go good for you when you scare her around the corner. One day she will hit you in the nose and break your nose. Okay? I had to learn that the hard way. (laughs) We're going to do a whole message where Lindsay and I just share a lot of stuff. Okay, okay. But I'm going to tell you right now, and this is for for men and for women, but ladies, do you want a man who engages your children and leads your children in the Lord? Do they do that with children now when you're dating? How are they with their young siblings? How are they when they, are they with kids? Do they have a job? Are they consistent? Do they love their mother? Because how they treat their mother will be how they treat you. just telling you. So You have no room to start dating until you have defined the type of woman that you want to be and the type of man you're looking for. Because here's the deal. When you don't know what you're looking for, you'll fall for anything. And so you'll go through years of heartbreak because you're searching for love and you haven't sat down with the father and said, God, what is the man that I need to be waiting for? What is the... Woman, what does she look like? Because here's the deal. Also, when you establish what that is, when you see it, you'll be like, "Mine! I'm going after that," and that's okay. Not at 13, but that's okay. At <laughs> if you get older. So that's that's where this comes down to for all of us. And I'll, we'll wrap it up with this: We've got to establish. Listen, marriage and sex, God designed it. Attraction is important. Beauty is temporary. Character is forever. Marriage is to be desired. If we can continue to drive that down deep into our hearts, and that we've got to be in a relationship with Jesus that is healthy. If your walk with God is not healthy, don't start dating. Get that right. Get your walk with the Lord right. Get your affections from Him right. And then when you do that, I'm telling you, next week, we'll, we're going to start talking about dating and courting. We're going to talk about that. It's going to be for marriage as well. It's going to be some great stuff. But I'm just telling you, this is where we're going. But we've got to drive this down deep. If you don't love Jesus, we've got to get to a place where you realize how much Jesus has loved you. See, all of this also is a picture of how Jesus loves us. He loves us so much. And he has wooed you. And he's, he's done that for us.